This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. WVEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation, plus MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Hey, I'm reporter Monica Eng, and the last time on Curious City, I dove into a question by classical guitar teacher Jose Lomeli. He wanted to know why kids don't learn more about the city's rich musical history in Chicago public schools. Because when he finally learned about some of that history as an adult, he found it inspiring. It was a way for me to connect with the city. And we learned that about a decade ago, CPS had a similar notion. So they made this arts guide to help teach about the history of Chicago jazz, gospel, folk, and Latin music. And so last time, we created an audio tutorial on what lessons in those genres might sound like. But Chicago's got a lot of musical styles that weren't included in the guide, like house, rock, soul, hip-hop, and polka. So we thought we'd tackle a few of those by asking experts right here at WBEZ what students should know about them and why. And heads up, with all the amazing Chicago music out there, we couldn't get to all of it. We started with rock by calling up WBEZ Sound Opinion's co-host and veteran Chicago Tribune music critic Greg Cott. Yep, still here. He notes that Chicago's rock sound has changed a lot over the years. But early on, it featured the horn-heavy sounds of bands like the Chicago Transit Authority, who later changed their name to just Chicago, and had an early hit with the song 25 or 6 to 4. 25 or 6 to 4 epitomized that sound. Horns, sort of a jazz rock sensibility creeping into the mainstream. I think you have to go to the late 70s to find something happening in Chicago that was really unique and different. And that was when Wax Tracks Records arrived on Lincoln Avenue. Two guys had this vision for a record store and, and later on a label called Wax Tracks that really built a unique sound and vision in Chicago and really established an underground scene here. People called it industrial, you know, very much emblematic of the city that it was created in, very harsh, very unforgiving, machine-driven. And that sound became associated with bands like Ministry. Without Ministry, there would be no Nine Inch Nails. But that aggressive Chicago sound was also fueling a noise rock scene, with producers like Steve Albini, who fronted his own band, Big Black. In Big Black, he had the perfect vehicle for uh, pushing the margins of what was acceptable in rock music. They made this incredible noise over a drum machine that became hugely influential. 
By the early 90s, Cott said the nation was zeroing in on Chicago's indie rock scene. And one of the biggest standouts was a woman who was writing about the burgeoning hipster community in Wicker Park. I think the key record for me from that period was Liz Fair's Exile in Guyville, not only a melding of the feminist movement and indie rock, but also an incredibly important record. In the late 90s, Chicago's Bloodshot Records nurtured a style that combined classic country with rock, and it attracted musicians to the city who would adopt and expand the sound. You saw a band like Uncle Tupelo from St. Louis find a home here, and then a band like Wilco emerge out of that and become one of the biggest bands that Chicago has produced. You also saw Nico Case uh, recording her early work for Bloodshot and later on becoming a an international figure. God is not a contract or a guy. While Chicago rock was evolving, another influential pop sound was developing on a parallel track in other parts of town. Chicago soul is something that's heralded all over the world, but somehow in Chicago, we don't necessarily understand how unique it is because we were a crossroads of blues and soul and gospel and jazz. And it's this really great amalgamation of all of those genres in one. That's Ayana Contreras, host of WBEZ's Reclaimed Soul. And she says, like a lot of genres, Chicago soul grew out of another style. You can't talk about Chicago soul without talking about doo-wop. And arguably the first really breakthrough doo-wop record out of Chicago was Goodnight Sweetheart by the Spaniels. Musicians built on that doo-wop sound with new layers and textures. So you had choral horns and strings, which really gave it a beautiful sort of symphonic sound alongside those vocals. And you heard that sort of thing in a record like Selfish One by Jackie Ross. At the same time, those orchestral strings and horns also made their way into remakes of older songs. Artists that had been around for a while were returning to their older material, but also sort of pushing it into sort of a newer sound. So a great example of that is the Dells, who had been around for many years. They re-recorded their song, Oh What a Night, in 1969, and it actually became a bigger hit. And by the early 1970s, recording artists were really taking the reins in the production category. So Jerry Butler was taking his own career into his own hands, and so was Curtis Mayfield. His solo album in 1970, Move On Up, really marks a turning point in the scope of Chicago Soul, where it became really album-based more than single-based. Just move on. And then by the 70s, there were other really interesting recordings coming out, including Love Jones by The Brighter Side of Darkness, which is a kid group, and The Shy Lights, of course, with big hits like Oh Girl. But around this time, the recording industry was starting to consolidate out to the coasts. And important Chicago labels like Chess were closing or slowing down. 
but the sound wasn't gone. So one song that's very, very Chicago and also was a very, very big song was 1979's Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind & Fire, who are from Chicago. Background vocals by The Emotions, also from Chicago. While Chicago soul was drifting away by the 80s, the city saw its first sparks of what would become Chicago hip-hop. And by the 90s, some landmark songs put Chicago on the hip-hop radar. And for me, that really started off with Crucial Conflict's uh, Hey and Do or Die's uh, Pope Pimp. That's Sylvia Rivera of WBEZ's sister station Vocalo, which plays a mix of music, including hip-hop. I don't think that there was a moment in, in the mid-90s where you didn't hear those songs somewhere. They had that fast raps, you know, chopper style. It really felt unlike anything that you were listening to, especially on mainstream radio. But Common is really who piqued my interest in looking at hip-hop as this social expression for good. She says his 1994 album, Resurrection, set the tone for future Chicago artists. Even a lot of the rappers that are coming out of today, his commentary with great beats and his collaborations with No ID and just the sound and the stamp that he put on Chicago put us on the map. Sometimes, almost literally, by name-checking Chicago places that gave the music a very local feel. Just shouting out streets, right? You know, shouting out very specific landscapes. In 2004, Chicago produced yet another influential hip-hop artist. And he also liked to name-check spots around town. So in 2004, Kanye West dropped The College Dropout, which was the best-selling hip-hop album from Chicago ever at the time. He looked like, you know, just the kid at the mall (laughs) that was hanging out, you know, with his backpacks and polo shirts. And Kanye's sound, that was different, too. It wasn't East Coast. It wasn't West Coast. The production was fun. With the soulful sound you know, that originates from Chicago, taking chipmunk soul, if you will, and uh, making sounds that we had never heard of before. More recently, Rivera says 2012 was a big year for Chicago hip hop for a couple of reasons. One, we saw the emergence of a style of rap called drill. Really reflecting what life is like in the south and west side of Chicago and popularized by rappers like Chief Keef, Little Jerk, Little Reese. But also around this time, uh, Chance the Rapper made his official debut into the hip hop scene. She can say in her voice, in her way, that she like me. And really, he's just reflective of this broader movement that came out of these youth media programs 
like you media at the Chicago Public Libraries and like young Chicago authors that really gave voice and inspired a new generation of young people. Sunday Candy personifies this uh, Chicago spirit. Again, influenced by soul, influenced by gospel, jazz, this reflection of young people doing good in the city and also really using music as poetry. Well, we know. We didn't get to everything. And we know that CPS isn't preserving this musical history in any kind of official way. But we hope this can help. So what do you think is missing? Who do you think kids and really students of any age here in Chicago should be learning about? Let us know. Send us an email at CuriousCity at WBEZ.org. Or leave a message on our hotline at 888-789-7752. That's 888 888- 789-7752. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. Alexandra Solomon is our editor. Catherine Nagasawa is our multimedia producer. Mackenzie Crossan is our intern. Jesse Dukes is our audio producer. And I'm Monica A. Nieces and her nephews are just pieces of the layers. Only one she loves as much as me is Jesus Christ and Taylor. I got a future song singing for my grandma. You sing it too, but your grandma ain't my grandma. Mine's handmade, pan fried, sun dried, south side, and beat the double by landslide. Next time on Curious City, of all of Chicago's famous buildings, architects consider the John Hancock Center one of the most important. When it was built 50 years ago, it represented a completely new way of structuring a tall building that is surprisingly intuitive. You don't need to be a structural engineer. You don't need to be able to do the calculations or really even understand the nuts and bolts of the principles. It just kind of looks right. It looks strong. It looks like it's a building that will stand up. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.